Hey guys, in the following podcast, we get interrupted by some music. Uh, we were in a very busy environment, so I hope you guys can excuse that. Um, and we were short on time. So follow my guest at Drew Maps on Instagram. He's a speed specialist and he's full of great knowledge and information. So stay tuned and enjoy the podcast. Thank you guys once again for your support. All right, three, two, one. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Zerkcast. This week I have a super special guest. He's actually a speed specialist, Andrew Maps. Hey. How are you doing, man? I'm doing fine, doing fine, man. Doing real well. What have you been up to today? Um, well, I had a session earlier, then rolled into a meeting, and then I've been waiting on that beautiful beard to show up <laughs> and ask me a couple of questions. My beautiful beard. <laughs> yeah, jealous. I am. I've gone full hipster um, as of late. Um, I see that. Yeah, you know how you go off into the woods and you just like turn off cell phone reception, stop caring about what you're wearing, you get a full beard. Yeah, I you think know? it's called Into the Wild. But Into the Wild. But that didn't end too well. So I hope <laughs> this ends better for you. Oh, me too, man. <laughs> me too. <laughs> All right. So you are. We're at currently at Ford sports performance headquarters facility yeah (laughs) so um here they have all sorts of programs that they offer athletes so could you give them a brief summarization of what kind of athletes you guys work with and what you do with them okay um well at four sports performance we work with all types of sports from athletes aging uh ages ranging from around 10 to professionals um, so high school athletes youth athletes as well as college athletes and professionals and different types of sports as football basketball track baseball soccer uh, tennis so the list goes on and on you can go ahead from that so field sports court sports any track sports from that field and we work with their change of direction their footwork their speed, as well as their strength training, flexibility, mobility, and those sorts, those sorts of things. So that was a pretty big list. Um, are there any types of athletes that you guys would like to work with more? Um, and which ones do you guys mainly spend a bulk of your time with here? We spend a bulk of our time with football players. That's what the, the, the business was built on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what kind of fuels the whole business in the end. But um, we, we would love to see, and we are seeing a little bit more soccer players and female, female soccer players as well as male soccer players, and baseball. Um, that is another thing that we are seeing. One thing that we aren't seeing much of and we would like to see a lot more of is lacrosse. And for some reason, football and lacrosse, their footwork kind of coincide, and it's weird that we actually don't have yeah. that, that, uh, that, that link right mm-hmm. now. But, Hoping to get more lacrosse players, so shout out lacrosse players. If you need any work, come see us. Come down to Ford Sports Performance Center. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so your facility here is about three quarters turf, about you know, probably about a quarter weight room workout. I mean, yeah. it's still pretty big relative to the turf. Relative to the turf, yeah. I mean, for our old facility, we had it was kind of comparative. Um, you have one side that was. You know, field work, and then the other side, that was just weight room. When we moved to this new facility, the basis was having more area for field work, and the problem wasn't 
having not a lot of space for the weight room, but it was our field area and our old facility. So having that new space kind of gives us a new fresh of breath there. Um, so it's great. Uh, we're utilizing it pretty well with these new groups coming in and um, we're just excited to see what's going on for the future. So what percentage of like a typical, so over the summer I was here interning with the football team. What percentage would you say you'd spend time on the turf and then when would you carry it over to the weight room? So depending on what the session is, it's a group session and we're kind of half and half. Um, maybe 55 minutes um, in, the, in the field and then the other remaining into the turf and that's pre, or sorry, the other remaining into the weight room. But um, the, the weight room starts with prehab exercises and then goes into the actual workout. While the field work again is just warm up exercises and then moving into what the field work is. So we have about 15 minutes each of like warm ups for mm -hmm. both areas and then actual, um, you know, 30 minutes of actual work, work inside the area. So like a session would be like an hour long? Yes, a session say. privately would be an hour long and then you would do half and half still, or depending on, again, it kind of depends on the athlete, um, what they need to work on. Mm -hmm. um, if they need more speed work and their mobility's fine and their strength's fine or they're doing it somewhere else, then we're gonna do mostly field work and then work, work on their mobility. Yeah, you'll just give them a workout to go do on their own. Definitely, yeah. so it just always depends on the athlete, but time to time, um, it is more of the less field work, good amount, 20, 30 minutes in field work, and then the rest of it's going to be um, in the weight room. Weight room. Um, so you are originally a track star icon, uh, Andrew <laughs> Maps, speed specialist. Something like it, one of the track star, one of the icon, but you know, it doesn't in the cars, and the greatest thing is sometimes... Um, those who can't teach, so I'm we'll a teacher now. Well, tell them a little bit about your background. So you started off um, in college, you did track, yep. right? In college, so. I did track. High school, I did track. Um, I even take it back in high school. I didn't really do, uh, I'm a hurdler. I didn't really do hurdles until my junior year. Mm -hmm. And then from that point on, like, I, I went to state and all these other things, accolades that didn't happen really. But going to state and seeing what happened and what probably the possibilities could be mm -hmm. opened up that whole realm. Um, and then the year after that, went state in the 300 hurdles in the state of Idaho, and then went on to go to JUCO. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I did not know the idea and schooling that needed to be involved with that at the mm -hmm. time, so therefore, the JUCO route is what I had to take, and kind of thankful in a way, because it makes you hungry. I, I didn't think um, winning, being at the top of state was, you know, that, and then moving on was like, oh, there's something bigger than... Mm -hmm just that so opened my eyes again in that realm that there's more just than the state of Idaho as the nation and I got to deal with that and from that point had some um, schooling issues back and forth for three years at that sure. school and then um, went to a small school in Virginia so mm -hmm. I really just took any opportunity I could get and the opportunity came in a small school in Virginia Virginia Intermont uh, College and from there I met one of my greatest influencers, um, Diego Flacquer. He's now at the University of Miami, um, sprint coach there. And he kind of transformed my whole training and understanding of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And kind of probably sparked the idea of me doing this later on in, in the future. Um, after a year there, they dropped the program because of abysmal problems. 
Then I went to a school in Missouri called Lindenwood University in St. Charles, Missouri. And then from there, I was there for two years and um, was ran track there, um, finished up, and kind of moved on home mm-hmm. after a family tragedy. So, Okay. That's a lot of adversity to face in a small period of time. What were your um, training sessions like when you were um, trying to balance school and being a track track star? Um, Would you get in small bursts and then you'd have to deal with life, or were you there every single day trying to get faster? It was every single day. It wasn't just small bursts. I think that, I mean, summer times, there were times where it was like a, a summer training or a summer where it was maybe for relaxing. I think sometimes you need that. Mm-hmm. Um, for a few years, in my first few years of college, I definitely went home and trained and I coached. Mm-hmm. For, our, for probably throughout my whole college career, I went back at home and coached um, for my home uh, club team, Team Idaho, YMCA Team Idaho, and, and you know, got a lot from that. But there's one year where I actually had to take a break and went with friends and, and worked in the resort town and you know, had a great time. And, you know, took a break from everything, and that, that was actually something that was probably necessary at the time. Um, but during season, it was, especially I remember time in Virginia, it was, you know, you wake up, and it would be school, and then you would have practice, but you would have eating lunch with your teammates. From there, you may have one more class, and then you would go see the rest of your team, and you have practice with them from maybe 3 o'clock to about 6 and then from 6 till about 7.30 or 8 o'clock, you're still eating dinner with them. Mm-hmm. And then you're back onto your schooling and finishing that up and making sure that's taken care of. And then maybe socializing for another two hours or an hour before you go to bed. Um, and then repeating all over again. Like everywhere in, in, in that area especially, all my teammates were in one dorm area. And we all really clicked and hung out really really well so I mean that was probably one of my most fond memories was being over in Virginia and having that tight team yeah Yeah. it was just super tight we ate every single meal almost together we went on the trips together we're we're almost uh, in that way of saying really a family a lot of people take that for granted now actually like you never get that team experience again later on you know unless you join a team like that but yeah, now it's happening. College, yeah, you're like forced to go through the grind together. You know, your coaches put you through brutal workouts mm-hmm. and do your brutal weightlifting. I don't know if they did weightlifting back where you were from, but yeah, definitely. You know. And then that's your weightlifting. The workouts were the worst. I mean, I remember there was one hill workout, and it was like you say hill workout, like straight hills. And like, no, this was an endurance hill workout. One part, the first part was 60 meters of a really intense incline, and then you had a good like. 120 some odd meters of like a almost it was like the downward swoop then came back up to another hill yeah and then that hill is another 30 some odd meters so i'm like and then you had like a i believe it was 30 second break 30 second 30 break second. and you came right back down and yeah. i'm like what opened my eyes to a lot of different stuff like yeah this is a man this is a man workout it's like i have never and still have never done anything like that so uh, obviously a testament to that guy's coaching because he's now at the University of Miami. Mm-hmm. So um, that was him at a young state. So I can only imagine what he's kind of cooking up. You know, it's funny. Like a lot of the track athletes I work with now, they'll come to me. We'll, we'll talk during their uh, weightlifting sessions, and they'll, they'll all talk about man, 
practice is hard. I puked today. Like all, like some of them just almost puke every like practice session they have, and that just is a testament, right, to how hard that they have to work. The hard, how how hard they have to work, or even too, I mean, how hard those workouts are, and then how much they're pushing their bodies to them to that point. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you, especially for track athletes, every single day is almost a day where you're pushing to a threshold um, mm-hmm. of what you can do for that time, and that's what it is. I mean. Um, obviously there's levels and peaks and then there's valleys and why you gotta train at certain levels um, throughout the season mm-hmm. but for the most part I mean that is exactly what you're trying to do um, and mentally repeat it over and over again that's the thing yeah you mentally repeat the you know what to expect now yeah over and over when again. something's new it's a lot easier dude because you have no idea what to expect but when you're doing it over and over again it starts to become tedious yeah. um, I want to so let's backpedal a little bit, go towards your um, coaching, because you're a coach here at a Ford Sports Performance. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that um, you've learned now as a coach that you wished you did when you were younger? Um, anything that you wished you put yourself through that would have given you a leg up? Oh, shoot. There's just so much. Probably, stuff. I mean, uh, yeah. The technique. I remember that being a really big thing. I, I just don't, I wasn't really big on technique and I think it became more of a technician as I became older. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably would have assisted in a lot of better results in training um, mm-hmm. if I was that way. As well as, you know, being in the weight room quite a bit more. I think I, I didn't fall in love with the weight room at, at early enough state in my career where it could have been more beneficial mm-hmm. especially putting heavy loads and not being scared of those heavy loads mm-hmm. um, just another experience was in Virginia again where I'm like man my one of my one of my my um, teammates was like you should you should throw on 300 you should throw on 300 three plates I'm like man I don't want to throw on three plates that's a lot of weight <laughs> he's like no you can do a map stop stop being like that I'm like yeah and then, like, in my mind, I'm going to go down. I'm going to stop. I know I'm going to stop. Like, oh, I'm just going to be really, really heavy. It's going to suck. And then, then I go down, and all of a sudden, I pop back up, and I'm like, my eyes are hella big. Oh, shit. Like, yeah. Oh, damn. Well, I can do that. I guess I can do that. And then knock yeah. out nine more. And then I'm like, okay, right. well, hold up. And right. I got, like, that's two. And I did it too late to a point where I little, I kind of took away from my, my tapering and tapered too late. Mm-hmm. And a week later after I really needed the taper I ran my extremely fast time mm-hmm. and I'm like dang that well, and that's a learning moment for me because now I know exactly when the time frame you need to taper because I had the experiences I think there's a lot of stuff is like experiences that I have that made me kind of you know held me back are the reasons why I know what to do with certain people at certain times like I remember this happened to me in my experience so even though I know people are different but there's that time frame where you do usually a, a certain um change in programming for mm-hmm. something where you taper out, especially tapering you got to know when to do it and the my testing me, and yeah. i was the test dummy in that situation where i know yeah. now it's two weeks and for me it's two weeks yeah we're gonna start cutting things down in two weeks i mean and a week later you know you're gonna really explode mm-hmm. and i've seen that with my results of kids i had in idaho and what recently you know having kids here yeah um so you do you, do you pre-program right here? For, yes. So how, 
So you get a brand spanking new kid in here, 10 years old, mm. shining bright eyes. Woo, two left feet. Yep, <laughs> two left feet. What, um, what do you give kids that first start here? Like, what, what is um, early training look like when you're trying to develop speed? I heard, like, this um, quote is, I can't make you fast, but I can make a fast person faster, right? Mm. So is there... Are there people you have to work with that you've seen improve so much that you did make them fast? Or what 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 do you do to give them that edge to get them? It's funny because like I've been kind of battling with this idea of like, am I making you faster? I'm making these people faster. But in my mind, I'm not like, the first step isn't making you faster. The first step is making you efficient. So if I can make you more efficient and your body movements better, you your movement quality, um, better as a whole mm-hmm. then that in the end is going to make you faster sure. now then after that point i can go ahead and um move into a, a realm of okay what can we what workouts can we do to make this kid faster mm-hmm. what what kind of uh what kind of technical things can you work on acceleration more does he need to work on maximum speed more mm-hmm. um does he need to do a little bit more plyometrics and be able to move and be more elastic off the ground um, those are the kind of like questions I would ask myself. But if it starts from day one, then we're just doing movement, movement assessments. I'm seeing you do a marches, a skips, and seeing if you can skip actually. Because I've had kids that can't skip, so mm-hmm. therefore we go take a step back because it's an evolution is kind of crazy. You go ahead and say you crawl. Actually, the first thing you do, baby, you stabilize. You don't have bobbly, bobbly neck, mm-hmm. you know, and then you crawl. Right. Then you start walking, yeah. and then hopefully you start skipping, and then you turn into a jog, and then you turn into a run. And if you can't do a skip, then that whole pecking order of having you even try to sprint, that doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. So we're doing all the other things before you can actually get on the horse and get to riding it instead right. of just, okay, let's just get you to running and seeing if we can change things there. Because my biggest thing is, you got to understand how your body moves and where your body is at at a certain given time before anything else. Because if I can cue you and saying, hey, did you feel a certain movement that you made and you say no, then it's kind of pointless for me to say anything about it because the idea is for, and my end goal is for you to self-correct. I want you to find out something that you're doing wrong and I want you to self-correct. Because then that tells me you are being conscious about the movement that you're making mm-hmm. and then over time it turns into muscle memory and muscle memory is now instilled especially at a, t- at a tender age of 10 or 13 mm-hmm. especially when they're about to go through puberty boom you hit a ripe age where they can go ahead and mechanically be sound and then you add weight training and plyo training and all the other things and that really just amplifies just cause them to blow up yeah and then they, if they, they have a potential to be as fast as whatever they want to be because they are efficient. That's mm-hmm. the main thing. It always goes back to efficiency. How do you efficient. implement all these? Like you said, A march, A skip. Um, you find where they're technically um, inefficient. How much time do you spend on running for them? And like, are you there for an hour just coaching these drills? Or um, The drills actually take a little bit of time. I only take, I only really designate probably 10 minutes Mm-hmm. of training to that so we probably do it into an order like here are three main things if i was going to say three main things i want to get into the training today is a position so a position is 
and describe as having a the knee and toe directly picked up in front of you in 90 degrees and then from that point on you would have all right keep going continue so from we're starting with you would go with a marches or finding out what a position is for that guy or for the athlete and from that point um you would start with a marches and then go into a skips and, and a replacements and then if you see how everything still is that the position is a and we're focusing on that a position mm -hmm. it's still the focus 100 percent for that mm -hmm. um and then from that you can add once they get those three you can add a third one which is triple ex triple exchange or triple replacements and then from that point on you can go in between and kind of add certain little drills here and there if they kind of pro progress to that point so um that's how i start with and then really just move on start with the hurdle overhead because i really want to focus on their posture and their placement of their feet as well as their position a position um so those three p's that are really really important for movement quality in, in a runner and sprinter all right well mr maps hey the speed specialist his hey. client just arrived music is i'm sure you guys enjoyed this uh, quick soundtrack we had in the background that's how it gets uh, it's really <laughs> live it gets really yeah, live here yeah we're getting unhinged here hey <laughs> yes very true all right guys thank you for stopping by this week we're gonna have a, another podcast every week on thursday um and yeah have, enjoy your week i hey, appreciate you guys all right bye